What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and our guest. Today, I'm talking to two brothers from the fire athlete, Adrian Rodriguez and Jonathan Fierro. We talk a lot about their journey in the fire service. We also talk about what they are pushing with fire athlete, how they are trying to help firefighters of all shapes and sizes on and off the job get in better health and be more effective on the fire ground and in life. So we talk about all those things and so much more. Enjoy. Adrian, Joff, thank you guys for coming in and sitting down with me um, to talk about fire athlete and to, and talk a little bit about yourselves and um, we've been going for a few minutes now, and I forgot to hit record. So here we are recording. <laughs> um, we're off and uh, doing this official, official. So let's talk a little bit. Um, well, before we dive into fire athlete and all that kind of stuff, let's talk a little bit about who you guys are. Who right. wants to go first? Uh, Adrian Hernandez. Um, yeah, been uh, been with the fire department 15 years. Uh, before that, EMS for four years. Before that, two years, uh, Wildland. And yeah, so I started in uh, 2002, so I just hit uh, 20 years total in the whole public safety realm. Nice. That's an important benchmark, I think. It feels like it. It does. Does it make you feel old? It does when I see the new guys come through and I start talking to them about, you know, when I first got hired and they're like, oh, wow, that's like, I don't even, I, I was in grade school. I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, you can't spend a lot of time thinking about that. It just gets depressing. It does, actually. It does. <laughs> so, Adrian, you um, you mentioned Wildland as kind of a jumping off point. I feel like it's a pretty cool place for people to start. What what did you? How did you get into that? What was that like so, for you? So, <laughs> it's kind of a weird story. Um, I had I had always wanted to be a firefighter my whole life, um, but I had a bad run in with um, a very major. Uh, fire department way out in the west coast and when i was a kid what i learned from that is you don't talk to firefighters you leave them alone because they're busy and they have things to do and if you try to talk to them you're wasting their time so Mm. my whole perception was leave them alone don't talk to them which can i just say that feels like diametrically opposed to every other story i've ever heard well i i still wanted to do it but then my my mom like she was no not my baby you know it's dangerous it's ugly no no i mean the part about not talking to firefighters, like I don't know what kind of experience you have, but that's you hear exactly the opposite everywhere you go. Joff, kids, kids want to talk to firefighters, so I so did I had want kids to yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what had happened was, I'll, I'll just, I guess, I'll go into that. Um, my mom had said to me, and I was young. Um, you know, she tried talking me out of it. Uh, no, you know, I don't want you to be a firefighter; it's dangerous or whatever. And so she said, what are you going to do when you go on scene of a car fire and there's somebody in there who's dying and you can't do a thing about it? And I said, mom, somebody has to deal with it. Might as well be me. And she was like, okay, I guess I can't talk him out of it. So she made arrangements for me. She was living in California at the time uh, to go visit a firehouse in California and walked in there, knocked on the door. And I was like, I think 12 years old or something. And this dude opens the door and he's just massive, you know, just rip, you know, square jaw looks down at me. He's kind of looks at me, looks at my mom. He's like, do you have any questions for me? And I said, uh, no, sir. He goes, okay, thanks for coming. He closed the door. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I just wasted his time. Like he has important things to do. So at 12 years old, I was like, don't ever talk to them. Leave them alone because they they got real things to do. Did your mom set you up? Was that a setup? I don't know. I really don't. It may have been. <laughs> Sounds like one. So now, you know, fast forward, I start working all these other jobs. And I was actually working in the computer field. I was working for Microsoft. I was one of their managers uh, down in Tucson. Was and that something that like because of education, like a certain path you took? or It was just an interest that okay. that I I was really drawn to. And, and we're talking in the 90s. And I was really good at it. Um, when I was working for Microsoft, this is how long ago it was. We were phasing out Windows 3.1, and we were rolling out Windows XP, but it was the beta form. And when you're rolling out the beta, you have code names for it. You can't just say what it is. So the code name was Whisper. So we were beta testing Whisper. Um, I feel like I'm getting secret intel. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so my job, um, like, you know, when you call for tech support, they say this call may be monitored. Right. It was me and six other guys who used to do the monitoring 
And then we would be like, hey, you know, take a look at this. And we would talk where only the technician could hear. Okay. So, hey, you know, take a look at this file, see if it's there. If it's not, change it, you know, whatever. And then we would also respond like people had problems. If you wrote an email to managers at Microsoft, that was us. It was me and my team. And I used to just stare outside. You know, I, I had my headset and I used to call it my leash. And be like, <laughs> God, I hate this job. I hate this job. And I would just stare outside like, God, I wish I was outside right now. And I was sitting there at lunch and my buddy calls me up on my work line. We didn't have cell phones back then. He calls me up and he was like, hey, I just tried out for this firefighter thing and I didn't make it. But I think you can. So where at? So he told me where. I said, okay, thanks, man. So I got up, walked over to my boss. I quit right there. A week later, I was a wildland firefighter. Wow. I went down. I put in my application. I talked to who I needed to. They said, put in your app. They said, we got a rookie school that starts on Monday. Awesome. And that was it. I I just went all in on that one. And yeah. I I was very lucky, but yeah. I, so did you do, were you doing like seasonal work or were you mm-hmm. full time? I was seasonal. Um, I was seasonal. And then towards the end of the first year, they started my training for squad boss at the end of my first season. And then I, it, in between, I also went to EMT school, which was um, another job that I had to add to my resume. Because uh, while I was in EMT school and we were off season, I ended up working at Lowe's, and I absolutely loved it. I was in the lawn and garden section. Oh, it's such <laughs> well, a after cool being job. a wildland firefighter, you're familiar with the tools. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you're outside. You're with the plants. You're watering them. It's so relaxed. It's so chill. People ask you questions like, "Oh, what?" What's the best, you know, plant for whatever? Oh, uh, consider these ones or whatever, you know, whichever flower you like, I guess. Um, and then uh, I finished EMT school, but I didn't really have an interest in EMS. And so I went and talked to my boss and I was like, hey, just to let you know, um, fire season is going to kick off. So I might be leaving here pretty soon. He's like, hey, man, I, I was expecting this. So no big deal. And at this point, we had cell phones. Um, about two hours later, I got a call. Hey, we're kicking off. You got to come to your refresher right now, and we're going to send you out next week. Oh, dang. It's all right. So I went and t- told my boss, like, hey, uh, remember that time I told you I had to quit in a couple of weeks? Yeah, it's actually today. Sorry about that. He just started laughing. He was way cool about it. And then when I finished uh, my second, so I came back as a squad boss and did my whole season as a squad boss. And then as I was coming, we were coming to the end of the season, my, uh, my FMO, the fire management officer, she says, what are you going to do now that you're an EMT? I was like, I don't know. I just got it. I did it for the race, really. And she goes, why don't you work for EMS? And I was like, well, I never really considered that. So I went down, talked to EMS. And they're like, yeah, um, we're going to do an orientation in about two weeks. Do you, do you want in? I was like, yeah. They're like, okay, we'll put an application in. Oh, okay. So I put an application, and now I'm a brand new EMT on an ambulance. And, and the place where I was working, like, to me, everybody was like, you know, shit tons of, of experience and then there's me like i didn't even know what the switches did on the ambulance and it was it was a crash course but yeah and then from there i, I was there i made it up to a rank of a battalion chief and then from there um transitioned into the fire server into the fire department nice so yeah that's the long version of my story <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Joff? Um, so for everybody who doesn't know the Joff thing, it's Jonathan Fierro. <laughs> I go by Joff because my parents were weird, and uh, that was a nickname that I've had since I've literally been like one or two. Um, that transitioned into all the neighborhood friends, and then school, and now I'm thirty, almost 32 years old, and it's never gone away. My wife calls me Joff. She doesn't say Jonathan. She says, Jonathan, I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I got my EMT, so should actually backstep there for a second. I met my girlfriend at the time, now wife. Um, she kind of noticed in when we started dating, <laughs> wasn't really going anywhere in life. So she was like, you need to do something. You should figure something out. And we kind of, you know, dabbled. And she's like, you, you liked lifeguarding. I started lifeguarding when I was uh, about 15 or 16. Really enjoyed it. Like all the, the EMS parts of it, and, you know, saving people out of the water, which never happened. But it was cool to think about. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she's like, why don't you think about becoming an EMT? And then I finally had that whole conversation with her dad who was like, what are you going to do with your life? How are you going to take care of my daughter? That sort of thing. Right. Were you guys married at that point? No. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. So um, he's got he's got to protect his yeah. kiddo. <laughs> and he, did, he did a great job. Um, he worked for the fire department as a, as a tech for 27 years. 
um, one of the royal blue shirts, mm-hmm. um, and he knew everybody on on Phoenix, and so he said, "Hey, you know, get your EMT. Let's figure that out. Go do some ride-alongs." And I started doing ride-alongs, and I had no idea what I was doing. I, I showed up like I it was at Station Three was my first ride-along. Um, I'm sorry, Station Seven was my first ride-along, and then I transitioned over to Three, um, meeting new people. <laughs> I remember one of the first workouts we did, they're like, Hey, you come down, you know, bring, bring some workout clothes, which I barely had at that time. Cause fitness was not one of those things that was ingrained in me as a kid. Hmm. I was a skateboarder. I grew up skateboarding. Um, and they were like, yeah, show up. So I show up and slip on vans and these long basketball shorts. <laughs> and have you ever, have you ever done this before? <laughs> no, absolutely not. But I'm here. I'm happy. This is awesome. Let's do this. And I had a good attitude about it. Started riding along, um, got a job at, uh, Phoenix wasn't testing at the, at the current point in time. Mm-hmm. So I got a job at, um, it was PMT at the time, professional medical transport. And then that transitioned to, uh, AMR eventually. I did that for four and a half years, uh, started an inner facility for a little bit, um, did a little stint in Scottsdale on their EMS system. And then I was out in Chandler for about four years. Um, and if Phoenix had a, a civilian EMT on one of their rescues. That's how that works. The the EMT lives in the stations with them and all that stuff. And I got a firsthand experience at what it's like to live inside of a fire, uh, fire station, work out with those guys. And at that point in time, I had very well versed in trying to, you know, become part of a fire department. And, uh, five years, five years later testing, it finally happened in 2018. And I've been on for just about three and a half years. Nice. What, um, so you guys both mentioned the private ambo thing. Is that, do you guys recommend that? Cause it's, I have no experience with that. Is that something like a path that you guys recommend or do you feel like it's. For some people, they may need that. Um, it, it worked out to my benefit because working on, on the ambulance introduced me to, uh, it was in the community that I, that I got hired with. So they got to know me firsthand because a, a lot like Joff, you know, we were working side by side nonstop. So they're like. When I when I put in with them, they're the ones who selected me. I, I tested for about six years, um, but then the the department that I'm at now is is they're the only ones who who took a chance on me. And it was literally like the first time I put in with them, I got selected by them. Yeah. So those, so the relationships are really critical there. Oh, that absolutely. Was huge. Yeah. What about you, John? It's kind of a double edged sword, in my opinion. Um, I learned a ton because I was in one like the best spot that you could be in with AMR, it was with a fire department. And if you went out there and you were a sack, they didn't like you. They were like, Hey, let's, let's find you another spot to go to. But if you went out there and you worked hard, you worked out with them, you cleaned, you cooked, you were part of the crew. Mm. They were like, Hey, like, let's get you, let's get you squared away. And They're willing to invest in you at that point. And when I was doing my, I was in Scottsdale for about eight months. One of my part, I told my partner, I said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about bidding over on, one of the Chandler rescues. And he was like, Oh man, those guys, those guys hate us over there. Don't do that. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Like I'm about to go do my fire one and two. Um, I, I really, I, I think it's a good idea. So started my fire one and two and then went over there and it was the greatest decision I ever made because I, like, I cannot express the hands on learning experience that that was. If I had stayed in Scottsdale or stayed in inner facility, I probably would have a significantly different um, opinion about that mm-hmm. simply because of the way that they're taken care of and the working conditions and stuff like that, the pay. Uh, mm-hmm. So that what I tell a lot of people can either make or break you. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see you find yourself in, you know, and I think partner matters too, right? Your partner has Absolutely. a lot of influence on, on you and you spend a lot of time with that person. And if they're not, you guys don't have a lot of synergy. It could get ugly fast. Yeah. I can see that being problematic. Yeah. That so, so now that you guys are you've in the fire service, right, and um, you've crossed on over to the dark side, right, <laughs> from your ammo days. So what's <clears throat> once you made that transition, what's been the uh, the biggest, I don't know, the biggest surprise or the biggest point of interest for you now that you, you know, I'm going to say your lifelong dream realized, your childhood dream realized. How's your mom feel about that? Uh, I, I think my whole family was really, um. They weren't disappointed. They were proud, but they were also scared 
and you know th- that doesn't change. Yeah. And I, now that I'm older and I have kids of my own, I I understand it because I look at I look at my boys and those are my babies. You know, I have one who's who's getting ready to turn 14, one who just turned four, and my my 14 year old, he's still a baby to me. He and he probably always will be. I'm gonna be 24, still be a baby. So I I get it, but at the same time. I'm also going to give them the freedom to, to choose their own path. And if they choose fire service, you know, police service, you know, any type of public safety, military, whatever it may be, I'm going to stand if, if they want to be, if they want to work with computers or if they want to manage a cold stone, you know, I'm going to support them. Whatever your choices. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I would certainly thing. support that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did I even answer your question? I think so. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I got my, my I got locked on on the cold stone and uh, everything else went out of my brain. I started thinking about the uh, strawberry shortcake ice cream. That was, that was so good, so good. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so it's funny though. Yeah, you said something about you know I asked about your mom if she was okay with you being a firefighter at this point. Oh. And I think about you know my mom. You said something about you know your kids. You know, he's fourteen. They'll always be your baby. And I was like in my mind, I was like my mom who is uh, whatever I'm in my early fifties now. And my mom is like, you will always be my baby. And I think that that just doesn't go away. And I look at my own kids who are, you know, in their early twenties and like, yeah, they're my, they will always be my babies. Yeah. And, uh, that's just the way it is. And that's, and you never worry, you will always worry about them mm-hmm. and, you know, whether they make good choices, bad choices, the work that they do, the risks that they take. And, you know, I, it's funny cause I remember, you know, I went off and joined the Marine Corps right out of high school and my mom freaked out and, not, she was proud of me, wore, had a sticker on the back of her car, Marine Mom. Aww. But yet, every time I was on the phone with her, it was, are you okay? Is everything okay? Right? And that hasn't stopped. I'm like, Mom, enough. I'm, you know, I, I called her the other day, and, and uh, she's like, oh, I said, hey, I'm going into work. She's like, oh, be careful. I go, oh, I would get carpal tunnel or paper cut in the office. So, you know, it doesn't go away. So. Yeah. I think there's a theme there. My mom was the exact same. It's funny that you said that because my mom said the exact same thing to me when I called her after I got my call. And she was like, are you sure? Sure this is what you want to do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And she's like, okay, be careful. Like that sort of thing, you know, teary eyed. And she, they care. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some moms don't, but you know, gosh, I, you know, you hope that they do the, uh, so it's, so when you think about that, so I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm going to shift gears on you guys just a tiny bit. When you think about that, right, we, we all take on this risk personally and we, we recognize that this job is dangerous in a lot of different ways, right? So many different ways. Some we've talked about earlier, we talked about cancer prevention, things like that. And, you know, there's, there's the physical element of this job. There's a psycho, you know, the, the mental health portion of this job, the, the, the psycho wellness portion of it. So how do you guys manage that risk for yourselves how do we manage the risk um well in my current position i'm behind the desk so i have a minimal risk to to that a lot like you you know maybe paper cuts and (laughs) you know that that stapler but um when i was on the job uh or when i was on the truck it was it was a little bit different it was um as a firefighter, I was willing to, to take a lot more risk. Um, once I became captain, then I was kind of like, Oh my God, don't go in that building. It's on fire. You know, <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys, be safe. You know? Um, and I, I think it has to do more with the, the responsibility, just willing to accept the responsibility and, and, and accept that risk. I think that's really what it was. Hmm. Yeah. I, was, I don't know that I really did anything that I, there wasn't really anything I did to check that box to be okay with it. It was more of just a position like, okay, I'm in this seat. This is what I'm, this is how far I'm willing to go. And then that changed a lot as you move seats within the, mm-hmm. the engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Joff. Um, I mean, currently right now I'm, I'm in the rescue doing my, my two years, um, managing risk that way. I'll take this in, in a different direction. The the mental wellness aspect of that, um, keeping myself physically fit, you know, in the the best possible way that I can. You know, live life. I, I I try to recommend that to everybody. Live live life and be happy. Everything in moderation, including moderation. But staying physically fit is probably like the number one thing for me right now. Um, I remember when. When I first got on, you know, when I was trying to get hired, you know, 
as a, as somebody who like didn't play team sports growing up and then transitioning over to like hey this is a team we we work as one like there's no freelancing this that military military that sort of thing i was like what is this like i was a skateboarder like <laughs> i was like no dude like i'm not doing that and i had to like learn how to think that way and act that way and be that way and take on that persona so becoming physically fit was like that thing for me and i remember <laughs> about a year into it my wife's like we get it you work out and i'm like i don't think you do i, I don't think you do get it like, <laughs> so i am now i i have to do this like if i stop doing this at any point like everything that i've worked for will will just crumble because like i have to keep myself disciplined because i didn't have that growing up mm. didn't have that so that would be i mean that would be my answer to that just staying on track staying disciplined um having accountability, having a routine. I like that. I think that it's funny to me as we talk about this, the the layers of, of risk that we manage throughout the course of our career, right? As a firefighter, you're like two tears in a bucket. Fuck it. Like I got this. Yeah. Like there's nothing that's going to get in my way. And, um, and you know, like when the captain's holding you by the back of the, the shirt collar, holding you back, you're like, dude, Give me a minute. Like, I got this. But they're thinking about things at a different level, right? They see the structure differently. They see the, they, they've, they've been down this road before. So they have a perspective that you don't have. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, you got your, your chief who's sitting in the buggy out on the street who sees the whole block, right? He sees the bigger picture. So he, he expands that vision out even further and is thinking about, cancer prevention and, and policies and procedures that affect fire ground operations and like, you know, these layers of complexity. Um, the one thing that I'll pull it right back down to that I think is the most important thing that we all are connected by, which is the human beings on the fire trucks, the human beings in the has zone, um, our brothers and sisters, the, the people we are trying to serve and, and who, who are in harm's way and we're trying to intercede, right? How do we balance all that? It's such a tricky deal. Um, but I love what you're talking about with fitness because that is about preparation, right? And it, it speaks to training. And, you know, I know you're involved with training with your organization, I believe. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. yep. So I thought, and so when I think about training, I think about like, how do we take our fitness and how do we apply it in a meaningful way on the fire ground, right? You, you have to have a, build a skill set so that you can actually take your fitness and put it to use in a meaningful way. Cause you can run around and chop holes in a building, you know, the most physically fit, robust athlete on the planet. And you're out there taking down walls. But if you don't apply your strength in the right way, it's just wasted energy. Yep. You know, so, um, and it's all toward, you know, toward that end where we are able to function safely and, and get ourselves home at the end of the day get our brothers and sisters home at the end of the day and, um, and hopefully do some good in the community and then be able to do it again and again and again and again, day after day, year after year for absolutely. a full career. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, one of the things is understanding where your limits really are, um, at the different ranks, you know, when you're, when you're a firefighter and you're doing work and let's say it's, you know, one of your first big assignments, you know, a house fire, whatever it may be. And if you're, you're out there and you're putting work and you're like, holy, wow, I'm done. I am so done. And it's like, are you done? Or have you just never experienced this type of stress before? And so I think you have to regularly test yourself. Like Joff was saying with the, with the fitness, it's not only working out. It's not only just, you know, you know, beach muscles, curls and, and stuff like that. It's not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> there, there is. Yeah. I asked a guy one time, uh, I asked a guy one time about uh, his beach muscles. He said, what are those actually good for? He's like, getting girls. Oh, well, I mean, if that's your goal, that's wonderful. It's like, I can't argue that. It's a good reason. Yeah. That was, that was his reason. <laughs> but, um, everyone has their, their purpose. One of the things that I truly, truly, truly believe in is, is, is taking your fitness and testing it and put yourself in an arena, make yourself uncomfortable, expose yourself, find your weaknesses, and then attack those weaknesses. And, you know, when I was on the engine, that was a big part of our training was when we're on shift, you know, I had a rule, never go harder than 80% during your, your training. Um, because you don't, you don't want to catch that call when you just went, you know, max effort on something. But when we were off duty and we were throwing down, like we would throw down, we would battle. And some of my, my 
best training partners are just absolute animals on the fire ground. But they are because they're willing to push themselves to those limits. And they know that where the new guy will say, man, I've never done this before. This is really hard. I'm really tired. The guy with the more experience is going to say, nah, man, we got way more in the tank than this. So I think testing yourself is a big part of it. Yeah. No, I, I think that's important philosophy in the sense that you are, you, you have to know what you're capable of. And unless you've ever, unless you've been there, um, to the edge of, of empty, right? You don't know where empty actually is. You hear it's the David, David Goggins, right? He says that, um, there's always 40% more in the tank, right? When you think you're done, there's 40% more because your body wants to signal you that, Hey, we need to probably start thinking about reserves. Yeah. <laughs> so your body wants to cut you off. Right. Mm-hmm. But mentally you can push so much harder than you realize. And until you've done it, until you've challenged yourself, done a breathe down, for example, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take this all the way till I am out and I'm going to do uh, box breathing at the very end to try to stabilize and see how long I can really go. That's a very different space. Um, but you don't want to find yourself in that position uh, when your life's on the line. Yeah, you want to no. know that you've been able to, that you have that capacity in you. Yeah, I think that's important. It was one of the important uh, lessons I learned in probation amongst many, many other things. But uh, one of my my booter captains told me, it's like, you always leave a little in the tank. You can always work out in, on shift. Like we're going to do skills courses. We're going to work out with the guys, but always leave a little bit in the tank. Because if we do get that worker mm-hmm. in the middle of a skills course, you better be ready because that's why we're here. And that's something that I try to take to every shift that I, I go on. You know, like we're going to be out there doing skills courses. I need to train my gear. Everybody needs to train in their gear. You need to be physically fit and lift weights and, do those hit workouts we're here to do a job and if yeah. you are not able to do that we're doing something wrong yeah yeah it's not like you can like if you you end up on scene like you're saying and somebody went all out and the public's like what's wrong with this guy how come he's not doing any work oh he, he just finished his workout they're not gonna care yeah. <laughs> okay well get to work you know you, you got a job to do my mom's in there hurry up yeah exactly yeah that's an important point the uh i I had a bad experience when I was an engineer on 39 back in the day. Um, we were doing a kettlebell workout, and I decided that we were going to do a real long endurance session. And um, we're th- we're close to the end, and we got a fire, and I jump in the truck to drive, and I could my oh. forearms were so pumped that I could hardly <laughs> hold on to the steering wheel as I'm trying to drive this rig. And um, we got there, and everything went well. But the whole fire, I'm trying to, I'm still trying to shake off. You know, now thank heavens I didn't have to turn out and go interior because I don't know if I could have held onto a hose line. Like I was in a bad way, um, mistake, right? And I learned the lesson that you guys are all talking about That's is, was, you know, this idea that you have to. There's a time and a place to push. Um, now, when we talk about training, the philosophy of finding your edge is really, really important. Um, I think you're absolutely spot on when you say, "Hey, there's a time and a place for that." And we have folks who will, who, you know, bless their heart, they want to go out and throw down, but, you know, in the middle of the summer is probably not the time to be doing a, uh, uh, end state test on yourself, (laughs) you know, max out test to figure out what your capacity is when you're on duty, you know, at three in the afternoon in the summer. Mm -hmm. Moderation. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, how do we do that? How do we find that boundary? When's the best time? As far as finding the your thresholds, yeah, um, the the best time is always going to be off duty. Um, you know, when you have enough time to recover, and, and you you should make make enough time to throw down, recover, and still be a human. And I think that's also a missing part too. Is people forget that you you can't just make the fitness your entire life. You have to give yourself space and time to be an actual human. So. Throw down, yeah. Let it fly, yeah. Get recovered and get back to being a person because there's other people that are going to count on you, your family, your friends, people around you. You know, if you have roommates, whatever it may be, you know, they have a certain expectation of you that you're also going to be you when we need you. You know, there's yard work that has to be done, <laughs> but you can't do it because you just threw down for three hours in the gym. That that argument's gonna, it's not going to go in your in your favor. So you, you, you also have to allow yourself to be a person along with that. Yeah, it's a, it's not your whole identity. Right. Right. It's a, it's a huge part of your job, Yeah, but it's not the end state. Well, I think Joff, you were talking about this before, this idea that you had to, you kind of change your philosophy. Um, but at the end of the day, we're training for a purpose, 
Right. Right. To be prepared for work or to be pre- prepared for life, right? Like life comes at you. I always joke around and talk about, well, I want to be able to crawl on the ground with my grandchildren someday. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to maintain mobility and mm-hmm. functional strength and, and capacity to be able to get up and get down and, and be able to repeat that. Not so that I can get up and get down. Yes, I do. But I also want to be able to do that for a reason. I want to be able to go and hike and go see cool places and travel and have the physical capacity to do all that stuff um, and crawl around the ground with the grandkids. And, yeah, you be know, human. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So important. So let's so let's talk a little bit about you know, fire athletes, we're kind of, we're hitting that edge. Um, what is, so you guys put together fire athlete as a means to do what? So the, the thing about it, I don't know what it's like in, in your agency, but in mine, people have misconceptions about proper training and what it really is. And I would see these guys doing these workouts and I would just be like, man, what, what's the point of that workout? Like what, why are you doing that? Why are you doing so many squats that you can't walk on shift? You know, what, what's the intention behind that? And so Joff and I kind of created fire athlete with the intention of let's make it realistic, functional to what we do on the job with minimal equipment. Um, because not all, not all departments have shit tons of fancy equipment, but they should have the basics. Hopefully they have the basics. Hopefully. And so, yeah, so we, we use like some dumbbells, some kettlebells, some barbells, a pull-up bar. And then we have, you know, certain cyclical machines, you know, a rower and a bike. If you don't have those, cool, sub running. But everybody should have those basic equipments. If not, they have something that they can substitute in there. You know, we don't have uh, kettlebells. Cool, grab a jug. You know, you can do something with that. So we wanted to give firefighters intelligent programming that mimics the energy systems that you're actually going to use on the job whether you're doing an education, whether you're doing a, a house fire, a, you know, a, a full-blown worker interior search and rescue. And the misconception is people oftentimes say, when you're on a house fire, you're busting your ass for two and a half hours. It's like, well, are you really though? Because even if you're, if you're, even if you're humping hose inside of the house, you're going to throw down for about seven, eight, 10 seconds shagging hose. And then you're going to stop for five or 10 seconds. So you're actually doing these, these intervals that we mimic through our programming to make you stronger in, in the actual application. And so these guys are sitting there throwing down, I'm going to run six miles today. It's like, really? That's, that's awesome. That's very impressive. How is that going to benefit you when you're throwing down on the education? You know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if you follow our style of programming where we have the work to rest ratios and they're all, very, very, very intricate as to how we program them in. Um, they're on certain schedules and rotations and different periodization for each of them. But yeah, and so that that's kind of the philosophy behind Fire Athlete. And then Joff and I, we we click so well. We work so well together. I mean, this oh, yeah. guy is amazing. I ran my own program years ago, and it worked okay. It worked great. I had a very, very, very small following. Josh and I got connected. We clicked. We throw ideas off each other. We, we're constantly sounding boards for each other. You know, we're, we're calling, texting. Hey, what do you think of this? What about this? We should try this. Do you, have you heard about this? And we work so well that we're just, it, the fire athlete is blowing up. And a lot of it has to do with this guy and his social media presence. Joff. It's his programming. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> Joff, the programming has to get to the people. It does. So it starts somewhere. He is absolutely amazing at reaching and connecting with people. He's so good at it. My end of it is just, you know, the, the nerd stuff, the science stuff. That's the stuff that I get super geeked out on. But yeah, this guy is amazing at connecting with people. Yeah. So a lot of it's Joff. Okay. I'm over here like red in the face right now. (laughs) So, okay. Well, so we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to the social media piece and how you guys are pushing this out. But let's focus on, let's talk a little bit about the programming and, you know, what is the, the secret sauce? I know that, you know, we talk, you talk about the, the, the work cycles and the, the work and rest cycles. You know, I think of that in terms of sport specificity, exactly. right? And, you know, I've always claimed that firefighters are industrial athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, you're doing this work in a space that is very unusual, very unstable, very unpredictable. And so how do you prepare, you know, so as you can see the little pictures on the wall here, you know. I have trained for sports over the years that are very linear and very um, predictable. 
right? I'm going to run a race on a given day. So I could prepare for that day specifically. And the only thing that would be a variable would be maybe weather, sure. right? And, or maybe I would get sick during the, on my way there. Um, but in, in our world today, these operations happen and in an unknown time and an unknown date, um, you know, before breakfast, after dinner, in the middle of the night, you just never know. Mm -hmm. So how do we prepare? How do you guys recommend we prepare for an unknown event? So one of the biggest things is, is you, you need to keep your programming, um, constantly changing. It has to be varied, but that doesn't mean random. One of the things that you can change is the time of day you work out in, um, Maybe I'm going to do uh, a, a three-week cycle where I'm only going to work out in the morning. And then after that, I'm going to switch. I'm going to do a couple weeks where I'm working out in the afternoons. Uh, and then I'm going to work out in the evenings. Now, you got to be careful working out in the evenings because you got to make sure you're, you're giving the body enough time to calm down to allow you the rest, which is a huge part of the training. And people always, they always mess that one up. Mm. But, you know, constantly change when you work out. And I know we have, we have our preferences. Like my preference, if I'm not, if I'm not training for anything in particular, it's going to be in the afternoons. It'll always be in the afternoons. I love working out at like one, two o'clock in the afternoon. That's my time. Can't always do that though. So there's a lot of times where if I'm getting ready for a, a competition or a big event, nope, I'm going to throw it out in the morning. This week I'm going to throw it out at 7am because I know the first training session or the first competitive session is going to be about 7am. So I got to get ready for that. Okay. And then as I get closer, let's switch it up. Okay. I'm going to do one here, one here, same day. Um, and mix those up because that's it. In the end of the, at the end of the day, that mimics what we do on the job. You know, you might get an extrication at nine o'clock in the morning. You go back, you get something to eat. You're feeling a little bit better. You're feeling recovered. You do some stretching. Now a fire kicks out or another extrication or whatever it may be. But you may have to do multiple sessions in one day. Yeah. So yeah, the, I think that's the best way to do that is to switch up when you're executing your training. So we know that preparing for this kind of unknowable event, changing start times, changing it, uh, training at different times a day, et cetera. So how do you cycle that into sort of your, your, your week long, month long, year long training? So I actually don't have that mapped out. Um, I leave, I actually enjoy leaving that part a little bit more random. Unless I'm going into a very specific event, then yeah, then I'll map everything out. Um, but if I'm just doing everyday normal training, I, I'll i stick to what I enjoy, but then every so often I'm like, no, 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 you got to switch it up. So then like for a day, I'll, I'll go, okay, I'm just going to go work out at 10 o'clock today just because, you know. And then also too, like on the weekends when I have my son, he has just discovered fitness, my older son. And so he's, you know, he'll tell me, daddy, can we go to the gym today? Yep. Time do you want to go? And I'll kind of let him dictate that. Yeah. Which works to my benefit because it adds in that randomization. Oh, right, there you go. Yeah. So I, I love it. Plus I love just being side by side with him and watching him learn and grow. is probably awesome. Oh, it's great. It's great. Watching him, you know, do those last couple of reps when he's struggling and come on, <laughs> you can do it. It's okay. Keep going. Keep pushing. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Hey, Jeff, pull your mic up just a little bit. There you go. Is that okay? Yep. All right, cool. Uh, so when you talk about the, the randomness of time, what about the, what about the elements, uh, as far as the, the loading elements? So me slice, metabolic piece, this, the strength piece, like how are you changing up the, those dynamics, like to blend that in? Cause I feel like the, from my perspective, when I think about the workload, the sports specificity, if you will, of a, of a firefighter, it requires strength. It requires power. Mm -hmm metabolic conditioning, all these different things. And as a former endurance athlete, I, you know, I realize that there's very linear paths to certain motors that we have. So sometimes it's, it's you know, cha chaining all those different things together um, is challenging, right? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that, that we recommend is follow the central nervous system hierarchy. And you're always going to go from skill training to technical strength, to strength, to conditioning, and then possibly even skill conditioning at the end of that. And you always want to start with the most technical elements first and then pull back there into the what the CNS would consider dumber elements. Um, so that way you can survive. If you start off and you blow out your CNS on some more of the, the dumber movements, then when you have to get to the technical stuff, you're, you're fried. It's not going to go well. So 
one of the things that we found the most success with is by putting the strength uh, strength portion up front and then move into your conditioning after. If you do if you do that, you have a better chance of growing stronger and tougher. If you put your conditioning piece in front of your strength, you're going to be weakened to a higher level when you come back into the strength training. And so you're going to, yeah, you have a great conditioning session, but your strength session is going to be shit. So give me an example of what that would look like with some specific exercises. Okay. So let's say, let's say uh, on this day, we're going to do, we're going to run uh, 200 meters and we're going to do uh, 15 kettlebell swings and then we're going to do uh, 20 pushups and we're going to repeat this for 20 minutes. And then we're also going to back squat on this day. If I put the back squat in the front, the strength portion, not only do I, do I grow from that, but it also helps warm me up for the, the conditioning piece. If I go the other way around, I've fried my central nervous system and now I'm going to try to execute, you know, whatever, uh, whatever, uh, percentages for the back squat, you're not going to have as strong of a result. You, you did great on your conditioning. So you are getting stronger or excuse me, you're getting tougher. But when you're trying to back squat and get growth, it's just not going to happen because you've already, you've already blown your tank. So for, for us taking the strength and putting it up front gives you, you can do your full blown strength session and still have enough in the tank to get through an amazing uh, conditioning session. So when I do the programming, we, we put the strength up front and then conditioning on the, on the back. Nice. It works very well. <laughs> Done many of his workouts. Just been like, I feel good. Like there's, there's a part where, you know, you're gassed. You're like, Oh my gosh. But you're like, I, I feel like I did something with that workout mm -hmm. and being the, the Guinea pig, I guess yeah. to a lot of those workouts was like, oh, okay, all right, cool. And then like kind of looking at some of the stuff I'm like, Dude, that's that's brutal. And then you do it. And you're like, oh my god, I did it. This is good. Like yeah. I like this. <laughs> how much how much time do you like to put in between sessions? So like if you're gonna do a high quality back squat session, just use the same example, mm -hmm. followed by kind of a metabolic conditioning session, how much refractory period is in between? So that's that's a really interesting question. And that depends on where we're at in the periodization, um, as far as the volume and the intensity for the strength cycle. I program the workouts to be done within an hour. Um, for our, our old salt program, that's that we program that to be done in 45 minutes. But for the the wildland, well, the wildland is a little bit different animal. R right now, we have the three tracks, and then we have a fourth one that's going to be coming out here pretty soon. So we have one for structured firefighters, we have one for wildland firefighters, and then we have one that we call the old salt, which is for the masters athlete, the the fifty older plus. Athlete. <laughs> What's our cutoff? We're, we're looking at like 40 plus. Okay. And then those that are like coming back from, you know, maybe they're just getting back into fitness. Maybe they're taking some, some time off and it's a, it's a, it's still a great workout, but it's a different type of progression. Um, the, the wildland conditioning pieces, some of them are just long. They just are because that mimics the work cycle of a wildland firefighter. You know, if you're out there, if you're cutting line, if you're on a type one crew, you're going to be cut in line for at least an hour before you even stop. So we have to program appropriately for those individuals. Uh, in in the wildland track on Wednesdays, every Wednesday is a ruck, and we start off at a 30 minute ruck with a with a, a 25 or 35 pound pack wherever we're at, and we add a little bit of time. And then once we start adding a little bit more time, then we'll do something like, okay, today you're going to do a 60 minute ruck, and every five minutes you're going to stop, take your pack off, you're going to do five burpees, put your pack on, and keep going you know, to mimic the, the work cycle of the wildland firefighter. Um, we don't do that on the structure track. Uh, thank God. Cause yeah. that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, yeah, it's all about mimicking what you're going to do, um, on the field and how are you expected to perform? Yeah. No, I love it. Fair, fair, I lo and I love that you guys have different tracks. Cause again, just because all firefighters are not the same, we, there's different, even inside the fire service, there's, there's a variety of different ways you can approach it. So, you know, the, the, the workload demand on a wildland firefighter is totally different than a structured firefighter. And so it's important to point that out and, and to address that from a sport specificity piece. So I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then we have a, we're, today when we're done with this, we're going to go and hammer out another track and that track is going to be for, you want to talk about it? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, this, this program that we're going to be writing 
starting today mm-hmm. um, holds. <laughs> I'm very, very passionate about this. Um, it's for our beginners, our absolute. It's it's for me, where I started. Does it start with buying shoes other than Vans? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so please go get yourself a nice pair of athletic shoes, something that you can work out in that won't get taken pictures of that will follow you the rest of your career. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's where I started. So it's saying, hey, and you know, I had great mentors and good friends who are already in this this field who helped me. And not everybody has that. So in a lot of ways, we're writing a program for people who don't know where to start. And one of the craziest questions, it's not even, it's not even crazy because it's not crazy to them. It's crazy to us is how do I pass the CPAT? And to a lot of people, a lot of people scoff at that. And it's like, how do you, how do you not pass the CPAT? <laughs> and it's, that is our absolute bare minimum physical standard, Right. If you can't pass that, you can't become a firefighter. And imagine how many people that's holding back mm-hmm. from st- simply just saying like, hey, like I've got a good story. I'm a good dude or a girl. I, I want to be a part of this organization. I have a passion for this, but I'm not a physical person. I grew up skateboarding. Like, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I start? And that's what this program is going to be. I, I love that because I think the... We sometimes forget how we got here and, um, you know, all of us are on a learning curve. I actually talk about this probably way too often, but we're all on a curve right? or a, a timeline, if you will, mm-hmm. not a curve necessarily, but a timeline. And, and we're just because you are down here, down this road and you got here somehow, there's a beginning for every journey. And at some point you, there was a time and a place where you didn't know, you know, we make fun of the guys who are like doing the beach body workouts, but that's all they know, yeah. right? That's what they learned. And, you know, you get guys who are doing the high school football workout. Well, guess what? They learned that in high school. And guess when you were being formed, right? Shaped and formed. And so you come out, you're like, I don't know, uh, bench press, you know, curls and, you know, like shoulder press. Like, that's what I know. Well, yeah. where did they learn that? In, you know, high school gym. So it seems totally fair and reasonable to go, hey, we're going to create a program that's for the person who comes off a skateboard, but is like, hey, I want to be a firefighter. What does that look like? I don't even know what it takes to go down that path, let alone what workout to do that's going to help me be successful. So absolutely. Yeah. I, I applaud that move because it's so, you know, it's so important to start at the beginning, help people figure out what the fundamentals are and then work their way in. You know, what's funny is I started my fitness career or whatever you want to call it um, journey with one of my buddies at a UFIT, Right. And he was working uh, for rural Metro at the time. And I was like, Hey man, you know, I'm showing interest in this stuff. And he's like, Oh, let's go work out. And we did deadlifts and bench press and arms. And I was like, cool. And then I go take my first CPAP, which I passed thankfully. <laughs> and they throw you on a stair stepper with a 50 pound weight vest for three minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's actually 75. Right? Yeah, because they, they put the 25s. Yeah. yeah. And then they take those off afterwards. And I was like, oh my gosh. And by the end of that thing, my legs were on fire. I was gassed. I barely made, I think it's like 10 minutes. And I and I passed and I was like, okay, cool. I, I did it, but I could have done that better. And in my five years of trying to get hired, I think I had to take it like three or four times. Um, pro- actually, probably more than that because I tested like everywhere. Um and you needed a new one for each organization, for every organization. Yeah. So it was like, well, I'm going back to the CPAD again. And so once you've done it once, you know hmm. what it's going to happen. So to practice those things and to be able to know the workouts that will help adapt you to that and get you to that starting point yeah. so that we can get you to the better starting point yeah, is imperative. Hey, there's some funny things about that. Like, for example, it is putting on 75 pounds, climbing on a stair mill, and you're like, oh, it's 60 steps. 60, 60 steps per minute you're like that's not super fast that's kind of slow um but wait but if you don't warm up and you just throw that weight on and jump on that stair it's only three minutes but your legs will turn into absolute jello and the red in the next seven minutes of that process <laughs> yeah. become incredibly uncomfortable and challenging yeah. as you wobble off the stair bill at the very end and try to move your way through that pro that course so little things like that like you know Going, you know, you're st- I remember the first time I took a CPAT. Um, there's all these people milling about, you know, and I felt super self conscious about the fact that I needed to warm up before I went out there and try to perform uh, 
So I did. I sat in the corner and, and did my own little warm up, and I felt like a total goofball because nobody else was doing that. But when I finally hit the stair mill, I'm like, woohoo, I got a light sweat already. I felt pretty yeah. good. Moved through the CPAT. My little proctor who was with me was like running double time trying to keep up with me on nice. her short little legs. And um, <laughs> they're like, hey, you're not supposed to run. I go, I'm not running. I'm just moving with purpose. Jogging. And, um, but I, you know, for me, taking the CPAT, I already had, I was working for another agency and I had a few years on the job already. So I understood the demands. Uh, so, but that goes, that speaks to this idea that understanding what you're getting into is really, really important. And so going back to the fact that you guys are going to design a program specifically for the entry level, you know, the, the, the would be firefighters huge. Cause that, that portion of people out there, you know, we, we were talking earlier about how hard it is to find firefighters and, and, and get them excited about this career. Well, part of that is what are the barriers to entry, right? This yes. is like this, the CPAT, the, you know, it's, it's an acronym, a code word. Like, what is it? What does it even entail? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to move a bunch of things around that you've never touched before in your life. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. If you discourage them at the very beginning and don't get me wrong, I was discouraged many times throughout this process. Mm-hmm. Like the, like I said, and I'm, I reiterate this all the time, coming from a background of not being a physically fit person. And I wasn't like, I wasn't obese. I wasn't like fat. I was just not, I didn't work out. It wasn't a thing that I did growing up. My parents weren't like, Hey, do you want to play sports? I was like, I'm going to hang out with my friends. And if you, if you discourage those people and you say like, <laughs> you can't pass a CPAT, they're going to be like, well, no, but I don't, I don't know how to start. And then they go tell their friends, don't talk to the firefighters. They're not helping you out with the CPAT. They don't care. Why would you want to do that? Why would you, why would anybody want to do that? We're like, we're here to give back because people taught us how to do that. If we're not doing that, then we're not doing our job. That's, that's just something that resonates. Resonates the right word. Very, very strong. So. Resonates. Resonates. That's the word you're trying to say. Sorry, I'm bad with words. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, so you talk about giving back. How do um, so you built out Fire Athlete in a way that, you know, this is programming that's available for folks. And um, uh, so what is the, let's talk about the platform and let's talk about how we're getting it to people. So what is the platform? Is it a web-based platform or something like that? So we, we pro, yes, yes, it is, but there's other ways to reach it too. Um, we program through an app called Train Heroic and it's an app you can put onto your phone or you can pull it off of a web page. Okay. Um, but yeah, the workouts are uploaded on Sunday evening, and it's the workouts for the entire week. Saturdays are skill courses. If you look at our page, you'll see Joff does a great job of, of showing, like, here's some things you can do for a skill course. Watch you know, watch this video. Here's things that we did. Um, and that's, that's the basics of it. When you sign up for the program, you pick which track you want, and then you have access to it. Nice. Um, you have access to the coaches, too. You can put comments. And then I'll take a look every day um, in the evening. I'll, I'll look at the workouts. Okay, who's doing what? Where are we at? You know, are, is this, did it meet what we thought would happen? Like, I expected people to get, you know, maybe four rounds. Or I expect them to be done in 12 minutes. And I'll check their times. I'll check their workload. Like, either they nailed it or they were way off. And it's like, oh, shit, what did I do wrong? Where am I wrong in this? So then I'll take a look at, okay, and I'll read their comments. And, and then I'll answer their comments. They'll, they'll send me questions. Hey, when you send this, what does this mean? Or what's another thing I can do for this? Or what about this? And so we communicate through that app too, which is very, very helpful. It's kind no, of like that, an all-in-one. So that's super cool. So the so if I'm tracking, the the programming is sort of generalized um, in the sense that it's it's not custom to me in, as an individual. Rain, this is Rain's workout. This is all of our workout. And then I provide feedback, and then you're going to make adjustments. And if I have you know specific commentary, like I'm like, hey, dude, that one element killed me um then my coach is going to offer some specific feedback exactly yeah then you and i start communicating okay what's going on you know blah 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 blah. right or if i'm like yeah man that was way too easy or whatever you might offer a way to make me load it hey maybe you need to add a little bit of weight next Mm -hmm. time to these type of movements that type of critique or not critique sorry that type of customization if you will like exactly or coaching yeah what what was your intensity during this and there's a there's a thing on there they can put how intense they were in that workout Mm. or how intense they felt they thought it felt and some days they'll put like it's a a one to ten they'll put like a two like okay well let me see what you did okay oh well yeah it looks like you kind of walked through this one or there are some of them where they put it a 10. I'm like, that should not have been a 10. So I'll look and see, 
oh, okay, you went way too hard. They overloaded with weight or something yeah. like that. They, okay. So then we kind of make adjustments and corrections. Like, hey, man, nice. think about X or try this next time or try pacing it out a little bit, you know, whatever the feedback is. Right. It's a good platform for that. No, I like that. That's awesome. So it's kind of in a sense that you're you're getting coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting kind of a, uh, I don't want to call it boilerplate, but you're getting standardized programming, but then you get a custom touch to it. Yeah. It's as close as I can get to hands-on with, with our clients mm-hmm. without being hands-on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Being in the same space. That's awesome. So the the other part of this, which is fun and 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 also is getting it out to people, is the social media side of this. Mm-hmm. So I've watched some of your videos. They're hilarious. Thank you. So <laughs> um, so what so and I know in the fire service this is you know we talked about this a little bit earlier before we hit the start button here, but we we talk about how tricky social media can be for people in the fire service it seems, but you guys seem to have hit a pretty good mix. I mean, I think part of that's because you're not, it's not a fire department production. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's your guys' personal production, if you will. Fire ethic production. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. Thank <laughs> you. Let's call it what it is. Um, so what are, yeah, what, uh, how are you trying to use social media to reach people? What's the plan? What's the plan? I, social media is king right now. It's if you, if you have a product, if you have a good product and you think it's somebody else is going to like it, put it out there. Um, chances are, Hundreds of other people are doing the same exact thing, but one of the cool things I heard a while ago is it's it's not who did it first, it's who's it's who does it best. Mm. Um, and social media is helping a bunch of people just get out their ideas. Like, hey, I have a great workout program for people that want to get into the fire service or need to stay fit after they get onto the fire service. Here it is. And here's why. And here is why through funny videos, things you relate to, things that you like on a daily basis. And it's kind of cool because, you know, we make we make funny videos and things that people relate to. And TikTok style videos are huge right now. Everybody wants to see, you know, that funny, quirky, like person doing something goofy. And then like, oh, yeah, I relate to that. Like, like, there you go. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to start seeing more of that stuff because you've liked that. And now it's in your algorithm and don't get me started on that. That one's, <laughs> I hate talking about that. Um, but it's it builds a community slowly but surely and very very slowly. Let me let me tell you. But it it's it builds, and now you have people in the comments section saying, "Hey, like this is this is funny," and somebody else comes and says, "Yeah, I thought that was funny too." And now they're having a conversation about why they're trying to get into the fire service or why they're trying to better themselves as EMS workers. We're not strict like we we are called fire athlete. And I'd like to, I'd like to tell everybody else, like if, if you're looking for a great workout program and you just want to stay firefighter fit, this is it for you. This is it. Um, but yeah, social media is the, the keystone of what that is right now. Nice. It always, it, it kind of makes me laugh, but I, I've seen different people do different things with like TikTok, for example. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, how in the heck does this video, which has got nothing to do with fire athlete per se strike a chord for fire athlete, but it is about building audience and about getting people, you know, to pay attention, you know, look over here in a, in a, in a vast sea of all kinds of stuff that's out there. Um, you know, the, uh, getting people's attention is tricky and hard to do. So you got to do, you know, you guys got to go and sit on podcasts and do different things like, <laughs> like this and, and have these dumb conversations so that you can get people to be aware of what's happening. Um, you know, and, you know, do TikToks and, and get people's attention that way as well. Um, I think there's a lot of, there's so much value in that. Uh, a, that's where people are, right? That's the marketplace right now. So you go out to the marketplace and you wave your flag and you, you, you draw their attention. Um, but, you know, most importantly, what you guys are doing for firefighters and for would-be firefighters is so important. And it is, so I really, you know, Ultimately, what I want to say is I appreciate what you guys are doing. It's, you know, Fireground Fitness was born originally out of that idea. Like, hey, I want to share some of what I'm doing with the rest of the community because I think it's it's good for us, right? It's, you know, going in and doing the the, the high school football workout is probably not the most appropriate thing. Hey, try this out and let's do something a little bit different. And over time, you know, the, the marketplace is, if you will, has evolved and the ability to get get this to folks in a different way has changed. 
know, I wish there was TikTok back in 07 oh, when I yeah. was at Station 39, you know, trying to put out workouts. <laughs> it was just different. And I didn't have the same chops that you guys do, so it would not have been as good a product. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, there's that. The um, So let me ask you guys, uh, let me ask you guys, as we start to wind this down, I'm going to ask you guys some rapid-fire questions, mm-hmm. um, if I can remember them off the top of my head. Uh, so let's, let's start with this one. What is, what's one thing that, um, what's one good piece of advice that you've been given? (laughs) (laughs) On the spot. Um, I think, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, always leave a little in the tank. If you're, if you're training on the job, like we all should be, and I hope we all are, um, always leave a little bit left. We have a job to do. We have a community to serve. And I mean, you said in your interview, I said it in my interview. That's why we're here. The, the people of Arizona, wherever we work, um, leave a little bit in the tank. All right. For them. I'm going to flip the question on you, Adrian. What's one bad piece of advice you've been given? I don't need to learn anything. Yep. People who are set in their ways and like, I don't need to learn the new stuff. I'm, I've survived for 15 years doing this and I'm going to keep doing this. And I think that's, Honestly, I think it's, it's it's absolutely disgusting. And if that's your attitude, I think you need to consider moving on and retiring. Um, and, Tell and us how you really feel. <laughs> it, it truly agitates me because the science in every single aspect of what we do, what we do, it changes every year. And if you're not willing to put yourself out there and say, "I don't know this as well as I should," so I need to keep learning. If you're not willing to do that, you need to move on. You just do because you're putting people's lives at risk. You, the 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 public that we serve, you're putting their lives at risk. Your brothers and sisters that are are riding with you, you're putting their lives at risk. You know, and you're you're risking a life changing event for your family back home. And if you're not willing to keep learning in in all aspects, not not just the science of fighting fire, but fitness, nutrition, everything. If you're not if, if you if you want to stop learning, then just move on because this this isn't the career for that. Amen. I like that. Okay, this question is for both of you. Well, I thought all the questions are for both of you. <laughs> uh, the remaining questions for both of you. What would you tell 18-year-old Joff? Listen, pay attention. Like, I was not, <laughs> my wife will laugh at me if she ever hears this. I, she, I'm she sending it like, directly <laughs> to her. <laughs> like, don't listen in the first place. I'm working on it every day. Good. Constantly building. Um, Listen, I'd literally grab my face and be like, just pay attention dude like pay attention to what people are saying listen to what they're saying not everybody's out to get you the world isn't that bad of a place <laughs> a lot of people are here to help you all right how about you adrian uh firefighters are willing to talk to you <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i, I I say that jokingly, but it actually, it's actually kind of true because um, I got a really late start in my career. I was 30 years old when I got hired, and I wish I would have started younger. Mm. And so for me, that's that's the big one is now nah, get out there. You know, it's okay to make – if they're going to say something bad to you, it's okay for them, you know, for you to be uncomfortable having that conversation. You don't, you don't like what that guy says? Fine. Go talk to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. But I would have got my foot in the door a lot earlier than I did. Right on. I like that. Okay. I think you might have already answered this question kind of generally, but I want you to, to drill it down to kind of the the finest point you can. Um, this podcast is called Fireground Fitness, as you know. So what does it mean to you to be fireground fit? I would say just be ready to perform. And that's as basic as I can make it is whatever that task is, you are physically and mentally ready to execute. And that's, for me, that's as simple as I can make it. I love it. Um, kind of like Adrian said earlier, the fireground is constantly changing. The world that we live in is constantly changing. So being fireground fit would, to me, just be consistently better, constantly learning. Like everybody has something to teach you, good or bad. Uh, so learn from them. Be a sponge. Be better. That's a great place to stop right there. Where where on social media do we find Fire Athlete? Uh, so we are at fire.athlete at, um, on Instagram. Um, if you'd like to go to our website and check out all of our stuff, 
hopefully our programs. We have really cool shirts too. Shameless plug. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> that's why you're here. <laughs> fireathlete.com. And uh, I, yeah, that's that's pretty much it right now. Um, we we have a Facebook. It's, it's Is the not. TikTok handle the same thing? Fire.athlete? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, you know what? No, actually, it's fireathlete. Okay. At TikTok. But we that's a work in progress. Try I will, to, I will keep that find all these and put them on the show notes. Okay. So that you can, if you have a place, you can go find them there on the show notes if you can't find them in your searching as your fingers are pounding the Instagram keys. And if anyone, you know, just kind of talking to the audience, like if anyone has any questions about anything, please feel free to DM us. If you have questions, concerns, you're afraid to start a new program, which is something that I had to deal with, ask us. We're here to talk. Right on. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Appreciate being here. That's all we have for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Fire Girl Fitness Podcast. As always, if you are enjoying this podcast, get on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Also, subscribe. This podcast will drop in the middle of the night when you least expect it. Listen to the lessons that were taught in today's episode. It is all about making you bigger, faster, stronger, and more capable. And what? who does not want that in their life? So take these lessons learned. Apply them in your lives. Find ways to make yourself healthier, more robust, stronger, and more capable. Go on out there and get some.